Welcome back, everybody, to the Gridiron Gang podcast. Week two, recap and review show. I'm here with my co-host again, Jesse. Yeah. We're just going to break down all the main talking points from the games that we saw this weekend. Great weekend of NFL action, and I want to kick it off with the Monday nighter that we all just saw last night. Cleveland Browns, Pittsburgh Steelers, Pittsburgh walking away with a 26-22 victory. And this was a career night for T.J. Watt. He just became the all-time sack leader on the Pittsburgh Steelers, surpassing legendary Pittsburgh defender James Harrison. And I think he did it in how many less games, Jesse? About 90, Eli. 90 less games. I mean, this guy is a serious sensation. What a talent. What an absolute legend this guy is becoming in such a young age in his career. Um, Slightly overshadowed by the fact that Nick Chubb just suffered what we all saw as one of the most horrific injuries in my lifetime that I've seen in the NFL. Back-to-back weeks that you've said that, that's how crazy this season's been. Monday night seems to be pretty damn cursed. Uh, I guess we're going to have to start a petition to maybe get those moved to Tuesday night instead because (laughs) these players seem to be getting beat up in a bad way. All jokes aside... Praying for Nick Chubb, he seems like a great guy off the get field well as well, soon, so please get well soon. What an incredible talent he is as a true natural running back, one of the last remaining in the NFL. Um, yeah, Jesse, all I saw for the most part was very sloppy offense mm-hmm. from both teams. It was a chaotic game, and what, what were your main takeaways from it? My main takeaways from that game was, A, Deshaun Watson was terrible. B, the Steelers' defense came to play, and C, the Steelers' offense is a work in progress. And that's highlighted by the fact that, you know, the Steelers won the game 26-22. The Steelers' offense scored 12 points. The Steelers' defense scored 14 points. And I think that just speaks volumes for the kind of the first two games of the year. Um, Really quick, I just, TJ Watt, two games into this season, he's got nine tackles, nine QB hits, four sacks, three tackle for losses, two forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries, one touchdown, two passes defended, and is tied for first with 13 pressures. It kind of just sounds like you're reading like a season-long statistical stat line right there. That is some crazy, crazy stuff from TJ Watt. Yeah, and like you say, Deshaun Watson, man, I mean, how else do you want to start off a Monday night football game? Let's throw a pick six first game, first play of the game. Uh, it was it wasn't completely his fault. It was a bad throw, easy throw. Like hit him in the numbers. That's never gonna happen. He threw it out of reach, deflected, deflected again, and taken back to the house by, um, who was that again? Highsmith. Highsmith. Alex Highsmith. Yeah, Alex Highsmith had a sensational game. game. He also forced the fumble later on in the Straight game side. that T.J. Watt took to the house for what apparently is the first defensive touchdown of his career, even though. I, f- I feel like I've seen that guy get in the house multiple times, but uh, apparently not. Um, yeah, my main takeaway offensively is uh, George Pickens, man. Like, he just, he struck me like Odell Beckham Jr., number nine, number 13 back in the Giants days, just taking that slant to the house. And, I mean, like, not a soul around him. That was some crazy explosive speed in the middle of the field, losing all defenders around him. And 70 yards later, you got a highlight touchdown from George Pickens right there. Yeah, like we said in the in the preview pod, uh, he's got all the traits to be one of the best receivers in the league, and I think they're showing it. He had 10 targets yesterday. 
They only managed to connect on four of them, but he had a career high in yards, well over 120 yards receiving. I think that, you know, him and Pickett need to just continue to work on that chemistry. He, the offense needs to go through him right now. He's their best playmaker. He's their most explosive weapon. And I also think they need to get more touches to, to Warren, the other running back. He's been, a lot, he's been a lot more effective than Najee Harris so far to start the year. You know, every time he touches the ball, that you can hear the crowd compared to when Najee Harris touches the ball. And with Cleveland, I'm really worried about their offense moving forward without Nick Chubb. Um, you know, Deshaun Watson looks like he's just never going to recover from, you know, his off-field issues. It, he doesn't have the same look in his face. Maybe that's just all the guilt coming up when he plays. I'm sure these teams that he's playing, I'm sure the other players are saying stuff to him on the field, getting into his head. And, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to watch him play right now, you know. And, and also, he's yesterday he shoved an official. He had two face max penalties as a quarterback. You can tell that's the frustration coming out. He's frustrated. And I'm not going to lie, Eli, I kind of like watching it because I hate that scumbag. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair, Jesse. Um, yeah, Deshaun's just not looking like who he was in any sense of the word. Uh, yeah, show, like you said, showing extreme frustration at times throughout the game. And not only that, but just a lack of poise throughout his gameplay as well. I feel like in the pocket, he's really struggling to get his feet set. He's struggling to push off of his back foot while throwing. Like He's really just struggling to get any type of chemistry with anyone other than Amari Cooper in the reception game. Amari Cooper, as we know, phenomenal talent with his time in uh, the Raiders as well as the Cowboys. Uh, I... Yeah, I really don't know where they go going forward. This has to be a run-first team, in my mind, Like, and with Nick Chubb being out. I tough. saw that Kareem Hunt was visiting today, so maybe they bring him back. Cam Akers yeah. is another name that they're throwing around, and who knows, maybe Jonathan Taylor. Like, yeah. who, who knows? There's, there's options out there, and I think Cleveland, it's in their best interest to take any option at their disposal. But yeah, I mean... Just a crazy game, and by far the star of the game was that entire Pittsburgh Steelers defensive unit. They stepped up, they they made things happen at key moments, and they deserved the game ball as an entire unit, in my mind, from uh, Monday night. Yeah, it was a great performance by them. They fed off the home crowd. Uh, every time they made a play, the crowd got loud, and they just fed off that energy, and at the end of the day, they were able to make enough plays to get the win for their team, and you know, in the divisional win doesn't get any bigger than that especially in prime time Eli yep so both teams moving to one and one and speaking of Monday nighters New Orleans Saints taking on the Carolina Panthers uh as a Saints fan I gotta tell you this is a tale of like watching two completely different football teams in my head it's like defensively I don't know how I could be any happier watching this team offensively it's just so frustrating at times it starts with the play calling offensively we're not opening up the field. We're not getting the ball to the playmakers' hands enough. Struggling to establish any run game whatsoever. And Derek Carr has one touchdown pass in two games. It's not what we brought him here for. That's not what we gave him this big contract for. Two wins. I get it. That's a great start in the NFL no matter what. But you're also taking on two of the lower teams in the NFL while doing so. So for me, a lot of frustration. I do want to highlight... Uh, my boy Cam Jordan, he just continues to impress, continues to not drop his level whatsoever. Carl Granderson on the other side of that defensive line, they both have 12 and 11 pressures respectively between them in the first two games of the year, and that rates among the top five in the entire NFL. So 
they're doing their job. Marshawn Lattimore defensively leading that secondary unit as well. He's doing his job. Demario Davis just continues to fly around the field as though he's a first-year rookie. He's looking incredible. He's got that energy, got that spark defensively. Can't be happier. Can't stress that enough offensively. Um... Yeah, I, I got a bone to pick with the entirety of that offense right now. We desperately need Alvin Kamara back, especially when it comes to that red zone game. It's looking brutal, man. Sorry to ramble on for a bit there, but that, that hits, a, hits a chord with me personally. And yeah, I'm not happy with it, Jesse. Uh, totally understandable. I mean, I'll start with the positives for the Saints, like you mentioned. Uh, absolutely great performance by their defense yet again. Um, that D-line, they're deep, they're aggressive, they're fast, they're big, they're powerful really good unit you know secondary all that so exciting the thing about their offense is I don't understand like the regression that I've seen in the two games the first two games with the O-line you know their pass protection has been a bit iffy and and you know the, the O-line supposed to be one of their stronger units yeah giving up four sacks again last night and yeah just tons of pressure from that yeah. Carolina Carolina front like it's not been good so, you know, I, I know Derek Carr, new quarterback, new team, new system, might take a little bit of time to learn. Hopefully the offense can get going and get moving as the weeks come on. I think, you know, Shahid and Olave need to be big focal points moving forward with the offense, uh, more so than Mike Evans. They're just such good, good weapons. You know, they're so explosive. They can take the top off of a defense. And with Carolina, you know, they. I just want to shout out EJ Evero. You know, he's doing a great job coaching on defense. They're such a sound defense. They've lost Shaq Thompson yesterday for the year. That's a huge blow for them. But, you know, they're just a really well-coached unit. You can tell their communication is on point. They make life hard for other offenses. Uh, Brian Burns is a really good pass rusher. Derek Brown's coming to his own. Big game from Frankie Louvu last night as well with and, two sacks. And yeah. I love what they do with him with Louvu. They just they move him around. He plays all over the field on defense. He's never in the same spot. He crowds the line. He's in the box. He can drop back in coverage. He's an exciting player. Yeah, I don't think there's any question where the strength of the Carolina Panthers lies, much like the Saints. It's in that defensive unit, but on the offensive side, as down as I am about how the Saints offense looked, I think it's even more so for the Carolina Panthers. It is hard to find any positives to take away from Bryce Young and the rest of these receiving unit that he's working with right now. I mean, I really don't know, Jesse. Like, if I'm looking across all the receiver rooms in the NFL, it's hard to imagine one with less dynamism and less electricity than this receiving unit has in Carolina. Yeah, Bryce Young is n not surrounded with a ton of talent on that offensive side of the ball. Um, you know, besides Miles Sanders and DJ Chark has a bit of some some traits about him, but he's not a leader or anything, right? Um, yeah, you, you got to get some weapons for him, but I just, I haven't been that impressed with what I've seen from Bryce Young. Um, you know, he's in his first two games, he's averaging 4.2 yards per attempt. That's the third lowest of all time for any player with a minimum of 50 attempts in their first two games. Um, and he's, there's just nothing that excites me about his game from a physical standpoint. I understand, you know, he's supposed to be, you know, some elite processor and that's the, that's the strong suit of his game. But just, you know, he's not pushing the ball downfield. He looks small out there. They can't run a QB sneak with him. He's lining up, you know, underneath. The, he's lining up in shotgun behind the right guard. Like, it's just some red flags I'm seeing. I know it's early. I'm not saying, like, you know, he's a bust or anything. I'm just, I, I was expecting more out of him. 
And I know he's got a lack of weapons and all that, but still, you know, I want to see him kind of make something happen, and I just haven't seen it yet, Eli. Yeah, in two games, he's combined for under 300 yards passing, and uh, you're seeing a lot of quarterbacks going for well over 300 yards in a single game. I will give him the benefit of the doubt because Atlanta and New Orleans both have pretty respectable defensive units. New Orleans probably near the top of the league at this moment in time after two weeks. And, um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I like to give young guys every opportunity and every chance they can get to develop, and I don't like to make quick, quick judgments on anything to do with that. But, yeah, it's been... It was rough to watch. Like besides from the prevent defense under two minutes to go from New Orleans when they're up eleven, uh, his stats would have looked a lot worse, and yeah. his whole entire game would have looked a lot worse had it not been for that. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you we'll see. We'll see if they could get turned around going forward. I believe Carolina has um, the Seattle Seahawks next week at home for Seattle, so that'll be another tough battle for them after that big win Seattle just came off, and it'll be. New Orleans versus the Green Bay Packers. I think that's going to be a really good matchup next week. And in, in, in Green Bay especially, I think that'll be a good battle. Um, yeah, speaking of primetime games, though, Jesse, I'm, I'm going to flip it over to Sunday night primetime between the Miami Dolphins and the New England Patriots in a big divisional matchup. And it's Tua. And Tua is now 5-0 and all time against Bill Belichick. Yeah. That is the most winningest rate for any QB against the legendary Patriots coach. But I have to admit that is in large part from Sunday night and due to the fact that Raheem Mostert simply took over that game at times for Miami. And what a performance from him. 18 carries, 121 yards, two touchdowns. Also hit the third fastest speed recorded on any scoring play this year at over 21 and a half miles per hour speed kills in this league and Miami has speed everywhere starting with Tua with the fourth fastest release average time per throw with just over two seconds a throw on average for since Tua 2020. since 2020 so yeah pretty remarkable stuff what Mike McDaniels is doing with this Dolphins team to start the year keying in on their strengths and they're performing admirably and having different players step up in different ways in these first two games so far. Yeah, the Dolphins are one of the most exciting teams to watch in the NFL. Mike McDaniels is just so innovative and creative on offense. I mean, that little out motion that he's using with Tyreek Hill and other guys, it's its proven to be unstoppable. It almost feels unfair watching it's, it's, it. It brings like a CFL element to the game, you know? They're giving these these track stars a, like a running momentum to start their road. I mean, the, uh, these guys are already at an unfair advantage because they're so fast and to get a running start like As that, if it isn't hard enough to D up on the exactly, cheetah, you know? Exactly. Like, come on, man. Mike McDaniels taking advantage of every rule given to him and you know that's what makes him so elite in my opinion and uh, I just want to say also like the Miami Dolphins defense after giving up the second most yards in week one they, they had a nice bounce back performance um, highlighted by Bradley Chubb I think that you know that might have been the best game that he played as a Miami Dolphin since coming there from the Broncos and I think that was probably like the first time where you're like okay this is why we traded a first for Bradley Chubb. You know, he had a big sack, and he also had a huge force fumble on uh, Davis when he was running behind him, and he punched it out. Uh, just a great game by him. And also Xavier Howard, you know, he's looking healthy this year. Back to sticky man-to-man coverage, showing off his ball skills and, the, and his feet skills with the toe-tap interception when Mac Jones tried to throw the back shoulder there. 
So yeah, really, really strong performance by that uh, defensive unit. The D line wasn't getting pushed back like they were last week. They just they really answered their call this week. I thought Eli. I completely agree, and they needed to because this was a tightly contested game, and this was a game largely competitive, more so on the defensive side of the ball as well from both teams. Um, yeah, the Patriots defense as well. Their rookie star cornerback. I mean, Christian Gonzalez. Congrats, first pick in the NFL. Did it on Tyreek Hill. Um, yeah, man, the, this kid's showing a lot of great skill for this for this unit defensively Absolutely. for the Patriots as well. He's looking like a great draft pick. Um, yeah, no, I think you raise a lot of good points, especially with the importance of someone like Bradley Chubb. Like we all know, we've seen like his highs on Denver before. We see how big of an impact this guy can make in football games. They get him rolling. Another key point you just made, Xavier Howard. We're talking really, really star caliber players defensively for this unit on Miami. And if they get that unit together combined with that offense, I mean, look out. And yeah, obviously props to Bill Belichick. He did what he's known to do. He took away their top weapon, Tyree Kill, largely ineffective at times. Yes, he got a touchdown, but only a modest five catches for 40 yards for Tyree Kill. So yes, once again, Bill Belichick showing off why... He is so highly regarded in, in his ability to game script against star players and really hold them in check offensively. Uh, speaking of offensively, for the Patriots, I think it's very noticeable that Mac Jones, his top targets remain these tight ends. Uh, Mike Gusecki and uh, Hunter Henry combining for 11 catches, 85 yards, and a second consecutive touchdown in two weeks for um, Hunter Henry. So... Yeah, I, I don't really... I mean, it's hard because, yes, I get it. New England's 2-0, and but I think... Sorry, 0-2 and, and Miami's 2-0, and but I think in terms of 0-2 uh, teams so far, New England's probably looking one of the best out of the teams that have started winless so far this year. So I think there's a lot of positives to take away going forward for the Patriots. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, their first game was against the Philadelphia Eagles, the team that was in the Super Bowl last year, and their second game was against the Miami Dolphins, who I think, you know, and most most of people's opinion have a top five roster in the NFLs, and they held their own against both teams. You know, I, I've actually been a, a more impressed with the Patriots with their 0-2 start. Like, I didn't have high expectations for them coming into the year, and they've held their own, led by that uh, defensive unit. Um, Christian Gonzalez, like you said, when, when the Cheetah, Tyreek Hill, was lined up against him, he held him to four catches for 40 yards. He also had his interception. He had one other pass breakup, and he had six tackles. Really good player. He, he, he's a really big, rangy corner. Uh, runs well. Similar build to Pat Sertan, actually. And, yeah, it was really, really – it was, he was fun to watch. And also, Matt Judon, you know, he finally, he finally got to get to Tua. He got a sack for that defense. Um, him and him and Uche on the edge, they just create so much pressure. But Miami's O line has just done such a good job, and Tua has done such a good job getting the ball out quick and not getting hit. That's been the notice noticeable thing for me as well. Jesse is just his um his seemingly increased ability to have a raised awareness in and around the pocket in order not only to protect himself but to get the ball out quickly to these dynamic playmakers. It's been a big difference this year. I know they were really good offensively with them last year, but I think they've all taken a big step forward on that Dolphins team so far this year. Yeah, I think so too. They look like a scary team. You know, I think a lot of people who don't have current teams in the NFL are going to like watching them because they're so exciting. And uh, we'll see what they can do for the rest of the year. I mean, they they got a they got a chance, Eli. 
and and you know New England coming up next week. They got the Jets, and they look to get their first win on the board. That should be a good low scoring, good quality defensive matchup. And I'm excited for for that game, and you know I'm excited for the Dolphins versus Broncos next week. That's right, that's right, Jesse. Two big matchups on either side. Once again, Miami looking to keep it rolling to stay perfect three and zero, and the Patriots will be looking to get their first win of the season at the New York Jets next week. Speaking of Denver, Washington Denver, this game finished thirty five thirty three in favor of the Washington Commanders. Best name in football, might I add. Uh, So this is highlighting a couple problems for Denver now. This is nine straight losses while leading at halftime. This is the longest such streak in NFL history. Sean Payton breaking records, none of which that he wants to be included with. This is a really funny statistic that I managed to dig up. Second coach of all time in NFL history to lose his first two starts with a new team. By two points or less, joining only Paul Schister, 1933. The Cardinals, who were formerly known as the Chicago Cardinals at that time. And Jesse, yeah, I don't know. Russell Russell Wilson, seven sacks. He got beat up. Interception, fumble loss, leading rusher as well with 56 yards. And Sam Howell... He got beat up a couple times too, took four sacks, but managed to not turn the ball over. I'm just going to, I'm going to cater to you. I'm going to let you go off. I know you got a lot of uh, intense emotion built up for this one, and I'm excited to hear your uh, dissection of this game. I mean, everything started great. Denver, if they had to just, you know, play two quarters a game, we'd be the best team of football. So we got that going for us, I guess. Yeah, we got up to an electric 21-3 lead, you know, big plays in the passing game, play action of Marvin Mims for a 60-yard touchdown, uh, Brandon Johnson making plays, the run game was going, and then it all went south uh, after a 45-yard Marvin Mims punt return, uh, Chase Young kind of got pressure on Russell Wilson, and he flushed out left, and he got tackled and fumbled the ball, and just like so nonchalantly just left the ball on the ground and got up casually like he was going for like a cup of tea or something. Sunday stroll. Yeah, yeah. and they got the ball, short field went right down and scored, then boom, they went Denver went three and out. He missed a wide open Jerry Judy, threw it like two yards behind him. He made an acrobatic catch, but he was two yards short of the first down. He should have been able to get about twenty extra yards after the catch if he hit him on the chest, but yeah, and it was just all downhill from there. I'll give props. Eric Bianami called a great game. Uh, him and Sam Howell seem to be on the same page. Sam Howell, really good moving in the pocket, avoiding pressure. He's got a great arm, showed off some good accuracy. But I really think, you know, Denver, they just kind of beat themselves. Uh, Marvin Mims, such a good game for the rookie. He had two catches for 113 yards and a touchdown. He had a, one carry for eight yards and a 45-yard punt return. But he only played 16% of the snaps, and that really – you know, grinds my gears. I do not understand that. He was our best player on offense on Sunday. Um, and then also, no run game to speak of after the first quarter. We kind of just abandoned it. You know, we had like... Which is weird with a big lead. You know, yeah. you would think you would want to establish the run and no. take time off the clock and exactly. really beat that team up defensively. And that, so. we have the running backs to do that with uh, Pookie Williams and Samaje Piran, two physical backs, right? So... You know, 32 pass attempts to 23 run attempts. I don't think that that's the kind of team Denver needs to be to get to where they want to be. And then the other thing is just, you know, Russell Wilson, 
with he had that fumble that I was talking about. He had another terrible interception where the the receiver just kept running straight, and he thought he was going to go out, and he threw it right to Emmanuel Forbes' chest for the interception, which also helped come helped to come back for the Commanders. And then after the game, what is really really concerning for me and probably all Broncos fans, uh, after the game and then the very next day. Um, you know, Sean Payton said that they're gonna they they gotta tone down the verbiage of the play calls because Russell's not getting the play fast enough and out fast enough into the huddle or out of the huddle into the line of scrimmage fast enough and we're taking penalties and burning timeouts and that's the second year in a row where they're talking about giving this guy the wristband to call the plays out. And you know, he's the second oldest player on our team. He's a twelve year veteran, he's getting paid two hundred and fifty plus million dollars a year. That is unacceptable. That really frustrates me. I played quarterback for a long time. I know not professionally, but like, come on, man. Like, if you got to hit the playbooks harder, do it. I don't know. I'm not there, but I can only speculate. It's really frustrating. But also, really quickly, the defense has just regressed so hard with Vance Joseph. League high, 12 penalties on our defense. Um, pass rush, pretty much non-existent. We have eight returning starters. I don't understand how the defense can be this bad. You know, I'm worried that Miami drops 60 on them. <laughs> so, yeah. It's not looking good, Eli. As far as anyone in the world breaking down any football game, I, I don't think you'll find anyone on God's green earth that could go more in-depth with more passion about the Broncos than my co-host, Jesse. And clearly, he is reiterating a lot of frustrations felt by the entire Denver Broncos fan base. Um also, I want to shout out the Commanders. Their D-line was an incredible. Darren Payne, Chase Young, Jonathan Allen, Montez Sweat. Constant pressure. Uh, seven sacks. So many more pressures. Stuff in the run game. You know, they, as that team goes forward, that defensive line has a chance to be special. And if they can be special, watch out for the Commanders. You know, they, they got a sneaky team. They really do. And Eric Bieniemy, you know, he was getting a lot of slack. Or not slack, but you know, not he wasn't getting enough credit, I think, in Kansas City because he didn't call plays. But just looking how the commander's offense looks through two games and how the Chiefs' offense looks through two games, I think he deserves a little bit more credit than what people are giving for. And hopefully he finally becomes a head coach after this year because it's been far too long. He's a really talented coach, and I think he's more than deserving. And he's proving it so far. Absolutely agree. And yeah, congrats to Sam Howell. I mean, that's a that's a big thing to do. Go and win on the road in Denver for, for your first road start in the NFL. He had no turnovers once again, which, yeah, I think that just speaks to like how fast this guy is really maturing. And yeah, like you say, welcome back, Chase Young, sack and a half, Montez Sweat, sack and a half himself as well. So that that's a scary defensive front when healthy, if they could remain healthy going forward for the Washington commander's best name in football once again once again just so you all know okay jesse next up for us i have the new york jets and the dallas cowboys this was an emphatic 30 to 10 win for those boys that's an just a fantastic start for dallas this year and it all begins with that defense and it all begins with one man in particular mika parsons sensational nine pressures two sacks, force fumble, recover that own force fumble, and the fastest ever get-off time in two years with a 0.57 seconds average getting across that line. This guy's a menace. This guy's a freak. This guy's a generational talent. Uh, whatever superlative you want to use, whatever adjective that needs to be said, say it. He is simply 
one of, if not the most game-changing defenders in the NFL at this moment. He is electric. I mean, he's got the fastest first step of any player I've ever seen, and I've watched a ton of Von Miller games, so that's saying something. Um, I can't say enough good things about him. I think he's absolutely got a chance to win not just Defensive Player of the Year, but just the MVP as a whole. I mean, it, once these guys get into big games and if he's making these kind of plays that he's doing now, I mean, why not? He's so fun to watch. That whole defensive front seven is just so good. Uh, Dan Quinn is amazing. They've got two lockdown corners. Like, the doomsday defense is for real. And I was really impressed with the offense. You know, Mike McCarthy as the play caller, I thought he called a great game. I think if that's the kind of that those are the kind of games he needs to call for this to be a Super Bowl team. Extremely balanced, running the ball, play action. Dak was sharp. He didn't press it. Him and CeeDee Lamb have a great connection. CeeDee Lamb really dominated in the slot. Um, I just I can't I can't say enough good things about the Cowboys. And on the other hand, uh, the Jets. You know, Zach Wilson really struggled. He played a really good defense, so I don't think... I know he's going to get a bunch of criticism. I think we hold off a week. Let's see what he does next week against the Patriots. Another really good defense, but still. Um, look what the Cowboys did to the, the Giants in week one, right? Like, they just... They have a Super Bowl defense, and so let's see where they go. But Garrett Wilson, you know, electric, taking that slant 68 yards to the house. Got to get Brees Hall more involved. I mean, Aaron Rodgers isn't playing... You have Zach Wilson. Brees Hall's only getting four touches, Eli. You can't do that. No, that's certainly not the game script required to stay competitive in this type of football game. They they had to win the trenches. I said it coming in. If they were physical enough to come up to that defensive front, establish a run game, I think that it gives them a much better chance of winning this game. That was not the case. That was a very, very difficult first start of the year for Zach Wilson. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because I believe this Cowboys defense is on... To something truly special. special this year and speaking of these cowboys they just became the fifth team in the entire super bowl era to begin the year with 70 points scored and 10 or less against through two games so they're they're in rarefied air right now they're in they're in a different league of their own i believe and like you say yeah very very well done offensively they looked methodical they looked very dicing very um I'm not I'm not too sure the word I'm looking for, but they looked way, way more better balanced on both sides of the ball in this game. It began with Dak. He took care of the ball. Uh, he only got sacked one time in the game. The offensive line did a fantastic job. The only thing that I would say is that Tony Pollard kind of couldn't really establish himself in this game as much with the amount of volume that he actually got with 25 carries and seven receptions. He only averaged... 2.9 yards of rush and I, I think they're going to want to do a better job of opening up those holes for him on the offensive line because once again and that that speaks to how good this defensive line is on the New York Jets as well they they are not at fault for this uh score line I mean at the end of the day they just came up against a bigger dog and a stronger dog at the time and they just got beat fairly and squarely at the end of the day absolutely and I agree you know you want to get the holes out there so you want to have a more uh efficient running game but I do like the fact that you know Mike McCarthy didn't back away from that run game and he stayed with it and that allowed Dak to be efficient and successful I think if they were just like to just quit on the run game and have Dak just air it out. That's where the team runs into problems, in my personal opinion. Um, but yeah, you know, just an amazing start for the Cowboys. 
can't say enough good things. They're they're exciting to watch. Their defense is so fast. They look like an Olympic track team out there. The offense is big and physical. And I had, you know, I was a little bit, I didn't know what to expect because week one it was, it was pouring rain and the game was over five minutes into the game. So I didn't know what to expect this week with a good Jets defense and I was really impressed. Um, I think this team has a lot of potential this year. And I do, like you said, the defense has a chance to be really special, like a, like a top 10 unit of all time with, you know, how much pressure the front seven creates and how many turnovers they force. Yeah, they're, they're a scary proposition for anyone coming across them. I do want to say a pretty crazy random stat that I stumbled across. This is the first time since 1977 that one conference remains undefeated after two weeks against another conference, and I would have never guessed this. It's the NFC 6-0 and against AFC teams yeah. in the first two weeks of the season, and yeah, I get, like, there's a lot that goes into that stat, but I thought that was a little bit surprising that that's the first time that's happened in over, like, 40-whatever years. That's a that's a pretty wild stat, but yeah, certainly the Dallas Cowboys are no one that anyone wants to run into at this moment in time, and speaking of running into, they're going to be taking on the Arizona Cardinals next oh, week, boy. who, honestly, I have been thoroughly surprised with with their competitiveness in two games we'll see how they look next week against (laughs) this type of level competition however and we just touched on it it'll be the Jets big matchup against the Patriots next week with both teams looking to gain momentum going into the meat of the season here um yeah, and look, look, looking across the league, another big game that just took place was the Baltimore Ravens and the Cincinnati Bengals, and we all saw the Bengals week one. They took a pounding. They got beat up bad both sides of the football against those Cleveland Browns. They got run over and unable to bounce back. It's a 27-24 victory for Baltimore, who I, at times, I, I believe, just looked largely in control of this game. I know the game ended in only a three-point victory, but I never really got the sense while watching that Cincinnati was going to be capable of taking this win, Jesse. Yeah, no. From the very first drive that Baltimore Ravens had on offense, they established themselves as the more physical team. They went right down there and punched it in. It was bully ball drive, smash mouth, run it down your throat. Lamar made a bunch of nice throws. Lamar played exceptional this game in the second game in Todd Munkin's system after a shaky week one. He, I just absolutely impressed with him. He seemed so comfortable within the system. Uh, one thing that stood out to me, sorry to cut you off now that we're on Lamar, just watching him, he seems to have developed this really, really good pocket presence, pocket awareness, and the refusal to run outside the yeah. pocket at times like he would in the past and just rely on his legs and scramble away. So I think he's taking a big step forward here. Like I know it's just one game, but like his comfortability <laughs> inside of that pocket and his ability to step up in the pocket around edge rushers that was very prominent in my mind while watching I was very impressed with that and yet he still knew when to take off he knew the right moments to take off with his legs he made very good decisions and didn't forcefully run outside of the pocket so yeah very impressive with Lamar I just wanted to jump in and say that yeah and he just so good in the system for his second game he knew where to go with the ball he, he made all the right reads um, Zay Flowers, he had an incredible post to him down the middle. And just a flick of the wrist, and it was an absolute rope split in between double coverage. What a catch, too. A great play by both players. 
Um, I just want to say Lamar Jackson faced a career low 9.1% pressure rate in week two, despite missing his uh, starting center and starting left tackle. Uh, Jackson has gotten rid of the ball quicker in this new system with Todd Munkin, averaging 2.60 seconds time to throw through two games. So, you know, that just shows you he's making quick reads, he's making quick decisions, and they've been really efficient. On the other end, um, you know, apparently Joe Burrow re-aggravated that calf injury. Um, I think he's more hurt than, you know, they're leading on. He just never looks comfortable. I saw him just beating the Theragun into his calf on the sideline, which makes no sense to me, just beating, like, your crushed calf. It, and he's know. he's not the fastest guy, but he always he's has slippery, a though. different type of mobility. Yeah. I, I speak of pocket mobility, and with Joe Burrow, he has an elite pocket mobility, and just watching him, you're seeing the uncomfortability of his movement. You're seeing him unable to push off of his leg. And I, I think that's really leaking into your gameplay. Like like you suggested, Jesse, I think that's a very good point you raised because he's a tough guy. He's not going to make excuses, but I believe he is more hurt than a lot of people think right now. Yeah, I do too, man. I couldn't agree with you more. And, uh, you know, another fascinating thing about this game is the Bengals didn't line up under center one time. The entire game they're in shotgun, and that just tells me that Joe Burrow's cap's not right, that he can't get back there quick enough on play-action passes and handoffs to his running back. He doesn't want to plant that foot in and push off his cap. I don't know if I've ever heard a stat like that. Like that, I mean, that that's seems, a college Yeah, that's stat, the, in, a, in the NFL, that seems absolutely mind-blowing I to just, me. Yeah, yeah, I'm not a fan of that. I understand if he's hurt, you know, because, like, you know, at the end of the day, a hurt Joe Burrow is probably better than, you know, Trevor Simeon or whoever else they have, Brandon Allen. Um, and then I want to say I love what the Ravens are doing on defense. You know, Clowney, Odafa Owey, make wreaking havoc on that defensive line. But also, Roquan Smith, just since coming over there from Chicago, I don't know why they traded him. Uh, he's just been an absolute beast, and he's actually this season he's lining up, he's aligned uh, at defensive tackle twenty five percent of the snaps, and I just love that because you can never really tell with him if he's gonna drop back in coverage or blitz, and he's extremely good at both. So that's just an extra thing that the quarterback has to think about pre snap. And it just shows like how creative that the Ravens' defense is. Speaking of their defense, shout out Jadavian Clowney, first sack as a Raven for the veteran. I mean, yeah, if like like you said, they got a great unit here, man, and they they were beat up, they were injured, and they were on the road in a pretty hostile environment for a divisional matchup, and you know came out with a huge victory. And I I really thought that this would be a get right game for Cincinnati. I thought that they would figure it out. I thought that they would come come ready to bounce back in a big way and. You know, one one guy, one guy seems to stick out, unable to get his feet going this year so far, and that's Jamar Chase, who has definitely struggled to make an impact in either of their first games. I gotta say, you know, conditions sucked against Cleveland. It was like an absolute downpour in that game, but we're talking 10 catches combined for 70 yards in two games for Jamar Chase. We're, we're used to seeing this guy catch eight or nine balls for well over 100 yards and a touchdown yet to get in the end zone this year. Um, yeah, I think that they got to make that a point of emphasis going forward to find out ways how to unlock him going down the field because he, he's just a difference maker when he does it, you know? Yeah, he, he said post-game he, he wants like the team to call more go balls and stretch the field a little bit more, and I think they got to do that. And I just think in general, Cincinnati just needs to be a little bit more creative on offense. Like I mentioned last week, you know, it's too much all slams, all curls. You know, let's get some motion in there. Let's move 
Jamar Chase and Boyd and Higgins around. Like, you have all these weapons to work with. Joe Mixon can catch the ball, too. Like, let's let's get a little creative here and, and help Joe Burrow out, you know, especially since, like we said, he's not as mobile. He, he can't move around the pocket as well. And the O-line is struggling again. So, but, uh, yeah, and on defense, you know, the defensive line is still good with Hendrickson and Hubbard, but they, they're not – they're just not getting as much pressure as they were last season and the season before when they went on these playoff runs. I know it's still early. Cincinnati is one of those teams that – they start slow, and once they get more tape on, like, opposing teams' offense and defense, then they're able to come up with their game plan matchup, like, specific game plans, and that's when they start benefiting. So I just want you guys, who are the listeners, to keep that in mind uh, as the season goes on. Like, Don't the, hit the panic yeah, button quite no. yet if you're Cincinnati. However, there's talk about Joe Burrow missing this Monday night game against the Rams, and if he's going to miss some time with the 0-2 start, then I would I, would, I personally would panic, but as long as Joe Burrow's there, history has shown that they're notoriously slow starters, I wouldn't panic with him. And like you say, yeah, big Monday nighter against the Rams, 0-2, looking to right the ship, get the first win of the year. Crazy that that's a Super Bowl rematch from two years ago, eh? That's right. That's hard to believe thinking about where these teams are right now at this point in time. That is really crazy and a great point you make. And on the flip side, it's Baltimore who's going to look to keep the ball going, keep it rolling against the Indianapolis Colts. We are still yet to know whether or not if Anthony Richardson or... It's going to be starting in that one. So, yeah, Baltimore looking to keep the pedal on the gas and build on that 2-0 and start. Um, yeah, and speaking of looking to keep the foot on the gas, uh, how about finally finding the gas for the Kansas City Chiefs with a 17-9 victory over the Jacksonville Jaguars? And uh, this is largely in part because of how the defense played for this Chiefs team. Uh, what a difference maker. Um, if you didn't notice it in the first game, you noticed a big guy on that defensive line in the second game, and that big guy is Chris Jones. Welcome back, making an immediate impact on the game. Found a sack, one and a half sacks for Chris Jones, in fact. And Travis Kelsey, I mean, welcome back to him as well. I don't think he's quite 100% yet, but he was still absolutely able to impact the game when he needed to. Clutch touchdown for him on uh, four catches for, I believe, like 26 yards. It's a way less statistical line, but still no question about it. Two two big presences on either side of the ball for the Chiefs. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Big 95 out there, Chris Jones. He also had a 38% win rate, which is number one in the NFL, and that's as a defensive tackle. You know, for a 330-pounder, he's just so quick and agile. I can't believe a human can move like that. No, no, it doesn't. Um, it's scary, really. Yeah, yeah. exactly. They had a good, they have a good O-line without him, and then when he's there, they have an elite O-line, or sorry, D-line. And, uh, you know, Steve Spaggs is a really good defensive coordinator. He's so creative. He runs multiple defensive schemes that, they crowd the line of scrimmage. You never really know who's coming, who's dropping, what coverage they're in. Uh, he's always disguising stuff. So, and he was he had Trevor Lawrence uh, fooled all day. You know, it wasn't his greatest game. I will say he was under pressure all game. The O line got dominated by the Chiefs D line. He was running around trying to make plays. Calvin Ridley really struggled. Our boy, he really struggled. He had to make a couple of tough catches for his quarterback, and he just couldn't do it. I think we'll chalk it up to rust, you know, second game in a year, you know. That that kind of thing, those kind of things are bound to happen. So they need to rebound next week. They had no run game. Uh, yeah, they just, they got outclassed. They looked like the lesser team. They looked young. Um, but I'm sure these teams will meet again in the postseason, and I'm looking forward to that. But 
Yeah, I think the Jags, you know, they need to get back to the drawing board. They need to come up with ways to get in the end zone, in the red zone. They really struggled against the Chiefs in the red zone. And, again, shout-out to the Chiefs' D because zero, zero touchdowns in the red zone. They held that explosive offense to nine points, no touchdowns, all field goals. Uh, this team, this defense is going to carry this team as their offense kind of figures it out and, and finds the rhythm moving forward. I'll tell you what, Jesse, I did not think we were going to be highlighting defense when talking about this uh, matchup post-match, but this was the lowest scoring game of the entire week. It's hard, it's hard for me to wrap my head around and fathom that because of how much offensive talent are on both sides of the ball here. I do want to give a shout-out to Kadarius Tony caught all five of the balls that came his way so congratulations to him I mean like didn't make an impact on the scoreline but it's a good good feeling he took a lot of shit after that first week and you know I hate seeing professional athletes get criticized so hard by the media ripped online like that so really happy to see him bounce back and Sky Moore man welcome to the show big touchdown three catches 70 yards and yeah, good good bounce back for both of those receivers on the Kansas City Chiefs. And speaking of bounce backs, after only being held to one catch for nine yards in his first game of the year, Chris Kirk, big impact on that game for the Jags. He had 11 catches, 110 yards, which was really the lone bright spot for yeah. that Jags team on the offensive side of the ball. Um, yeah, man, I thought this was a statement game. I thought that the Jags could have came in and sent shockwaves through the NFL making the Chiefs start 0 and 2 but yeah look at look at uh look at what uh Andy Reid does and look at what the Chiefs do they find a way to win games and that's what they're known for and they got it done it was dirty but they got it done exactly and they know how to win they know how to get it done in crunch time and I think they just kind of showed put the NFL on notice with their defense you know it's a different team this year they're not just relying on their offense, you know, they're balanced teams. I know the offense will get better as the year goes on. I just it's Patrick Mahomes, right? Like it's they're just working through things, they're trying to get in a rhythm. Travis Kelsey will work his way back to hundred percent. He definitely isn't a hundred percent. He's not he wasn't on the field every snap, he wasn't moving the same, but he was still effective, especially in the red zone. He's so good at finding the zone and knowing when to sit down for his quarterback. And Mahomes and him are just they right on cue, you know. They they're just so good together. Um, Kadarius Tony is dealing with a foot injury though, so I will say that's really concerning because he's had multiple foot injuries in college and as his time in the New York Giants. That's and right. this seems to be a reoccurring thing. He can't stay healthy, and that's just something to monitor because he definitely, other than Kelsey, he's their most dynamic playmaker. You know, he like you said, he had all five catches when he caught the ball. He's making people miss. It's not. It was nothing too crazy on Sunday, but. He's fun to watch, and hopefully he can get back out there for them. But if not, we'll see who steps up in there in his absence. And two winnable games going forward for each team in Week 3. It's Houston at Jacksonville. And I think that'll be a very fun game to watch, to be honest with yeah. you. I, I like both of those offenses. I like what both of those teams are doing. And it's the Chicago Bears, RIP, at the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead next week. So, um... Yeah, two very winnable matchups going forward for those two teams. And you just spoke of balance on a team, and I'm going to highlight a team in our next matchup known for balance on both sides of the ball, and that's the San Francisco 49ers versus the Los Angeles Rams. This is a 30-23 win for the 49ers, and in large part it was done on both sides of the ball. I do want to highlight, however, Puka Nakua, 
15 catches, 147 yards, following up his 10 catches for 119 yards. Uh, is this guy just Cooper Cup 2.0 or what? Like, it seems to me, like, you mentioned this to me uh, uh, in our discussion over the weekend. Matt Stafford seems to find a target that he loves and relentlessly go at that target. Calvin Johnson on Detroit, Cooper Cup with the Rams, but... What a historic start for this rookie to his Rams career. So congratulations for him. I know they didn't get the win, but that's a, that's a big thing that this kid just pulled off against a very stingy and uh, well-coached uh, 49ers defensive unit. Yeah, Puka Nakua through two games has caught 23 receptions. Uh, that's four more than any other player in NFL history. He's also been targeted 43.2% of his routes this season, trailing only Tari Kill in the entire NFL uh, at 44.1% minimum of 25 routes. So that just shows to you the volume that he's getting. Matthew Stafford, you know, they threw the ball like 55 times on Sunday. So he Crazy got a ton of, ton of targets. But, yeah, you know, I was, I, I was really impressed with Sam, or sorry, with the Rams. You know, they, 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 they held their own against a really good San Francisco team. You know, that team has 20, the Rams have 20 rookies on them. Really young team. Byron Young, third-round pick. Got his, uh, he had a half sack last week. But he got his first career full sack this week. Um, his first step is ridiculous. I thought he had the best first step in the entire draft. He's so quick. And, you know, just he was a guy we highlighted to step up on that defensive line in the preview pod with Aaron Donald. And, you know, through his first two games, he's got a sack and a half. So he's, he's playing pretty good. Um, but San Fran, you know, they're really – Debo Samuel, he looks 100% healthy. He's back to being that positionalist threat that he is, running the ball, catching the ball – getting touchdowns, you know, he's he's one of he's one of the most physical runners in the NFL. He's definitely the most physical receiver. You know, he loves contact. He doesn't shy away from it. And a real Swiss Army knife, like you say. He could do it all. He could do anything you ask him to do. He can deliver to the top level. He's, have, he's a great player to and watch. And they have two of those guys with Christian McCaffrey, right, Eli? There you go. I mean, Christian McCaffrey just continuing to impress. 116 yards and a touchdown on 20 rushes, plus another three catches for 19 yards. I mean, he's just simply one of the best in the league, and we keep on bringing this up. If Brock Purdy continues to do what he's doing, taking care of the ball, limiting turnovers, getting the ball in these playmakers' hands, such as McCaffrey, such as Debo Samuel, you have Brandon Ayuk that could hurt you. You have George Kittle, who's yet to be very involved in the offense. We know what he could do in the offense as well. Um, yeah, this this is just a dangerous, dangerous football team for anyone to come across. And, I mean, kudos to the Rams. I thought, like you said, they, they've shocked me so far through two weeks in terms of their competitiveness with a largely unknown roster for the most part. I think you just mentioned 20 rookies on the roster. So, Crazy. yeah, really, really well done. And that speaks to Sean McVay and that coaching unit. They're, they've done a sensational job. But uh, his good friend, man, that's Cal uh, Shanahan. That's nine straight yeah. wins over him. I'm sure they're having a couple funny uh, text messages back and forth about that throughout the year. I'm sure Sean McVay uh, throws in the the one that really matters, the NFC That's right. That's right. That's a regular season win streak <laughs> they have going. I, I will have to, in, in fact, mentioned that shockingly I think for a lot of people Cam Akers a healthy scratch and we saw this last year as well this is some weird stuff I don't I don't really know what's going on here I think Cam Akers is a very well-equipped back in this yeah. league I think he could do a great job for running the ball for whoever I think this is weird for me personally I'm really surprised to see him not being in the lineup even on game day that's uh 
yeah, I don't know, look for him to be maybe appearing in a different colored uniform next time you see him in NFL action. Yeah, we'll have to monitor that situation. It is weird, like you said. Uh, all we can do is speculate on it, really. Um, yeah, like you said, the Rams just a really good coach, a really well-coached team. Uh, Raheem Morris, the defense coordinator, he's been there for a few years. He has such a good understanding of Kyle Shanahan's offense and like the little nuances and little like keys of that offense. And, you know, they always, these two teams always play tough physical matchups. It's one of the better, but it's not like a, like a historically crazy rivalry, but it's just one of the better matchups every year that we get to see. They match up well. And, yeah, the San Francisco 49ers, they, just that, the group of skill positions they have with Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell. Fred Brown. Warner running around like a freak yeah. on the defensive end oh, of the yeah. ball, He's too. Insane. Like, my goodness, what a start to the year for him yet again. But on just on the offensive side, like the skill positions, I don't think there's another offense that has the group of players they do, like including the tight end, the multiple receivers, the multiple running backs. Like There's so many different guys that can spread you out everywhere. It's a really hard unit to defend, and I think – just they they have a chance like we keep saying with that offense and defense they're gonna be good all year and i'm just i love watching them play man. short week quick turnaround for the 49ers they're taking on the giants at home thursday night next week and for the rams it'll be a long week they're playing the cincinnati Bengals in cincinnati monday night football both those teams will look to have Great games going forward. I think the Rams, I wouldn't even say they need to turn it around. I think they're looking great, man. I think they're going to be competitive yet again. That's a big Monday nighter for them. And San Fran just, yeah, they're just phenomenal on every I can't say it enough. I've said it, I said it too many times already that yeah. I'm starting to repeat myself. But, yeah, like how can – I don't want to play that team. If I'm, if I'm a fan of a team, I don't want to be coming up against the 49ers, the Cowboys. There's, like, certain teams elevating themselves, the Dolphins already as well, like – Early on, you're starting to see some separations in quality from a lot of teams already, I believe. Yeah, and the NFC with, you could argue the NFC has the top three teams with the Cowboys, the Niners, and the Eagles, you know, all 2-0. and oh, And who would have, like you said, who would have thought that the NFC could be at the top? You know, I know we're only two weeks in, but still, AFC so top-heavy. just shows you how all this chit-chat and chatter during the offseason and training camp, it, nobody knows. No. You know, nobody no knows one's got a crystal ball. No one knows how these games are going to play out. There's crazy things. That's why we love football. That's why we love the NFL. You really have no idea what the heck is going to happen out there on any given week. Okay, next on the agenda, Jesse, we have the Seattle Seahawks versus the Detroit Lions. This was a shootout, 31 37 win for the Seattle Seahawks in overtime. I thought this game started fantastic on both sides of the ball for both offenses. Like both opening drives were really, really good. Geno Smith, very decisive with the ball. Good balance between the run and pass game. And Jared Goff with the immediate response on the opening drive as well, which really kicked off what ended up being a very exciting game between these two teams. I thought both quarterbacks played really, really good football. Um, they were efficient. They, they were aggressive. Uh, made the right reads. I know Jared Goff had that pick six, but I, w I think the Detroit Lions are probably going to be kicking themselves after, you know, reevaluating the game, watching the film and all that. Like, you know, they had the lead at halftime, and then <clears throat> first play of the second half, Montgomery fumbles. Seattle takes it for the touchdown. Then Jared Goff throws a pick six, and boom, just like that, you're down. And, you know, and then both they were able to answer, and both teams just kept marching down the field and scoring. It was a really fun game to watch. 
Um, really impressive uh, uh, for Seattle only giving up one sack to Detroit, like with uh, their two. Aiden uh, Hutchinson and all those boys. Well, flying and their at two them. starting tackles out of the game. Yeah, that's right, right. That's right. Yeah, so on the like offensive side down, of the ball. Down yep. two key starters to just give up one sack. You know, Aiden Hutchinson, you, he's tied for first in the league with 13 pressures with TJ Watt, but he has zero sacks. Um, I'm all for disruptors. But at a certain point, you want to finish, especially when you're the second overall pick, right? Like, you're so talented. You have that ability. Just You just got to finish. So that's something he needs to work on. Uh, he keeps getting in the backfield. To take that next step, you know, you got to get the pressure and you got to get the sack. So look for that moving forward. And they lost uh, C.J. Uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, right? He tore his pec. They put him on IR. And then they also put James Houston, there, another one of their talented young pass rushers on IR. So that's a little bit concerning for Detroit especially since their defense already isn't the strongest unit in the league you know they really struggled on Sunday versus Seattle yeah one thing that stood out to me for the Detroit Lions on the offensive side of the ball was it started getting a little bit predictable at times between Gibbs and Montgomery being on the field as to what type of play this offense was going to run. I think they need to find a way to make things a little more unpredictable, like maybe keep both of these running backs on the field at the same time, because more often than not, you saw Gibbs doing things, receiving the ball, and Montgomery with the uh, smash mouth running up the gut. So that was just one thing that I wanted to note down and keep an eye on going forward, because... I think they have a great balance between these two rushers and what their capabilities are. But at the same time, I think you have to be a little bit more inventive in terms of how you're getting them the ball. But that's nitpicking on a game where it was a very high-scoring affair anyways. But that's just something that I took note of on the defensive side of the ball for... um, Wow. For um, the... Seattle Seahawks, Troy Brown filling in admirably on the secondary with one forced fumble and one pick six. So that that was a big, big, uh, big ability for him to step in like that. Yeah, and also Draymond Jones finally getting on the board of the sack his, in his second game for Seattle. He didn't really do much in the first game. It was kind of disappointing, especially for me as a Broncos fan, him being an ex-Bronco. So happy to see him get on the board. Um, Witherspoon played pretty good. He got burned on the flea flicker, but you know, you live and you learn with that, especially as a rookie. Um, Reek Woolen going down, that's a little bit worrisome. Hopefully he's okay. I don't think it was too, too serious, but yeah, the defense, you know, they're still kind of moving and growing together. A lot of new pieces. Um, I don't think they're where they want to be yet. I don't think they're anywhere close. Jamal Adams should be back maybe next week, maybe the week after. So, and with Detroit, you know, it's just concerning to me, like, with how good their O-line is, and, you know, they they it's not like they're giving up on the run. They're running the ball. They're just not running it effectively for the talent that they have up front. Um, I thought they would be a much better uh, ground game like they were last year. Um, but, yeah, Jared Groff, I just feel like he's transformed his game so much in the last year and a half. He's really become, like, you know, in L.A. In LA with the Rams, everything was so, like, manufactured it was like screen passes and all these quick hitters and the playmakers took it to the house and made all these plays with their yak like here he's asked to make the throws downfield fit it through tight windows make the right reads and I just he's playing really good football even though he had that pick six he made a number of good throws he kept the team in the game the entire game and thought both quarterbacks like I said were just really impressive Gino bounced back really well from a, a pretty rough week one that's right this is a huge character win for the Seattle Seahawks 
team to get after that shocking week one defeat to the Rams at home. So to go on the road after Detroit doing what they did on the opening night of the NFL season, I think this is a very, very statement victory for the Seahawks team and a big one at that. And yeah, it's once again that little guy, that Tyler Lockett doing what he does. He's impacting games, he's scoring touchdowns, and I think they're getting all too comfortable seeing that in Seattle. This guy is just one of the best, man. He consistently produces season in, season out. Metcalf, good performance, didn't find the end zone, but very solid, didn't take any stupid penalties for them. I mean, that's a big thing of concern because that shifts momentum at times. And like you say, in the NFL, mistakes get crushed every single time. We saw it in this game, like you mentioned. Boom, pick, boom, fumble. Next thing you know, this whole game is shifted. So, yeah, so I think that's big to channel him in the right direction because his fire is it's a good spark to have when it's going the right way for that team. Kenny Walker finding the house two times. Otherwise, very inefficient running the ball, yeah. actually, for the Seattle Seahawks. Not a lot of holes. But, yeah, not a lot of holes in that defensive front, but very big for him to get in the house nonetheless. And, yeah, like I said, it's a it's a huge win for the Seahawks. It's a win that they needed to get. Never good to start 0-2, and they're going to look to carry that momentum forward next week. Very winnable matchup against the Carolina Panthers. And for Detroit, they're going to look to rejuvenate some of that hype for next week going into uh back at home against the atlanta falcons i think that's going to be a very interesting game to watch between yeah two dynamic football teams um yeah i don't think there's anything else i could really touch on for for that game so i'm gonna move us forward to speaking of the atlanta falcons green bay just played the atlanta falcons and it was a 25 24 win for the falcons and what was a pretty darn crazy football game if you ask me jesse that game had a lot of twists and turns to it yeah it was a good comeback by the falcons uh Bijan robinson has arrived what a game by him he had 124 yards on the ground 48 yards in the air got in the house had a couple of nice jukes like he just he looks like he's on skates when he's running he's gliding out there he's really special it reminds me of the damon thomason um i said you know i expect him to be a top 10 running back in the league the second he, he steps foot in the NFL. Last week was like a little tease. This week is like, okay, here we are. You know, he's second in the league in rushing now. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. He's he's incredible to watch. That O-line is really impressive. Uh, one of the stronger O-lines in the entire NFL. They might have the best O-line, is, in my opinion, them or Philly. Um, but Desmond Ritter, I still have so many questions about him. You know, I guess he played a little bit better this week, but it wasn't great. He was sh- definitely shaky at, st- at the start of the game. He settled down a little bit. It was a rough start, but, you know, he pushed the ball down the field a little bit. But I just, when they play better defenses and, like, you know, if they were to make the playoffs, I really worry about his game. They got to open it up a little bit. Kyle Pitts, you know, you took him, like, what, fourth overall, I think. And he's just, they don't, he's such a non-factor in that offense. Why are you taking a guy that high and not, you know, is it him? Is it the scheme? Like, something's got to give there, right, Eli? Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more, man. When you're drafting a guy that high, you got to get ways to get him involved and in the passing game. Same with Drake London, man. I mean, but at my big takeaway, like you say, it's uh, it's Bijan, man. I mean, they kind of had those shackles on him week one. You know, he yeah. played a more subdued, reduced role behind Tyler Allegier, and they took those shackles off. And, oh, my goodness, 172 yards of total offense. 
dynamic playmaking ability that I don't really remember seeing for a long time in the NFL. Just the the, the swiftness of these cuts, the explosion after the cuts. It's, it's he's he's making grown men look like children at times, flying by them. It's very. Yeah, it's just stunning to see like how quickly he's progressing, and he just took in, like I said, he elevated to a lead back role, yeah. and he displayed tons of capability to take a ton of touches and just produce a fantastic football game for this team and leading them to victory. And like I said, this was a game of a pretty crazy momentum swing. So for the last three possessions of the game, the Packers only managed 11 yards, and Love unable to complete any of his six passes to finish the game so yeah i mean green bay they gotta be leaving feeling like they let one slip away in a certain sense and yeah but on the other hand for jordan love it's a great start to his nfl career that's six touchdown passes in two games zero interceptions against and key injuries to playmakers while doing all that like let's remember no christian watson no aaron jones for this matchup we saw Jaden reed step in and showcase some electric speed and good playmaking ability in the absence of Watson. So maybe they'll find a different role to carve out for him going forward. But yeah, Atlanta, I mean, Ritter undefeated at home in, in his NFL career still as a, and college. and college. Yeah. Like, like, like my good friend Kier mentioned to me on our last show together. Uh, yeah, pretty crazy stuff. I, I don't really know how I made nothing to go that. forward with this guy and what, yeah, like to say what to really make of it. But yeah, we just touched on it in the previous segment. It's Atlanta going against Detroit next week. So that's going to be a very enticing matchup between two very well coached football teams with good units on either side. Game. And yeah, it should be a very good game to watch. And New Orleans has Green Bay coming up next. Not so really I, I, think, I think that's a pretty enticing game as well with two teams kind of trying to find their identity right now yeah. going forward, especially on the offensive side and the ball for Green Bay with injuries. Especially, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I was going to touch on, you know. I thought that, you know, their offense wasn't wasn't great on Sunday. It wasn't bad, you know, missing probably their two best players, right? Um, hopefully they can get them back. But I thought it did speak volume to them as a team, you know, to hang in there with a tough opponent. To be able to Jordan Love, you know, three touchdowns, no turnovers, missing two key players. So I think I think Green Bay is going to be fine moving forward. They should get those players back either next week or the week after. And then I look for that offense to kind of open up. You know, Christian Watson's going to add a really explosive uh, new new dynamic to that offense that we haven't seen yet this year. So And Jordan Love does have a good deep ball. So looking forward to both those matchups next week, Eli, that's for sure. Yeah, should be interesting to see where both these young teams go from here. And speaking of young teams, uh, don't get much younger than the Indianapolis Colts and the Houston Texans. This was a very, very good game for the most part. Uh, kind of a shame to see Anthony Richardson go out as early as he did after such a dynamic start. So this was a 31-20 win for the Colts over Houston. And as I just touched on, Anthony Richardson two rushing touchdowns and uh, 64 yards before departing with a concussion early on in that game. And I think there was such a noticeable difference in the rush game with Zach Moss at running back. He had a huge game for them uh, instead of Deion Jackson, who struggled mightily at times in the first week, accounting for only one yards per carry and two massive fumbles on the other side of the ball. I mean, I've been so impressed with this guy, Jesse. C.J. Stroud, he just continues to really showcase 
such a maturity at such a young stage in his career. He took six sacks. He's been taking 44.4% pressure rate, the third highest in the NFL, and he's still capably leading this offensive unit and keeping them in games for the most part. I mean, I can't really speak highly enough of this kid so far, man. No, I couldn't agree more. Um, He is an absolute machine within the pocket. You know, his mechanics are so crisp. He's got great awareness for rookie, good footwork. Um, He's got more 300-yard passing games than his former college teammate Justin Fields in a bunch of less games. That's saying something, right? So, yeah, I've been really (laughs) impressed with him, too. Um, Nico Collins is really starting to emerge as a primary receiver for them. Uh, He's a big body guy. Him and Stroud seem to have developed some good chemistry. But, uh, you know, that that Houston, their pass rush wasn't really able to get home. The Colts O-line had a really good day on Sunday. Really physical. Zach Moss is a really physical runner. He brings that element to them. They kind of played some smash-mouth football there. They took it to Houston in the trenches. That was a huge reason why they they came out of this game with a victory. Um, Gardner Minshew did his thing. He's really efficient, you know. They got to play Anthony Richardson because he's their future. He's got superstar traits, but, you know, as of right now, the team might be a little bit better equipped to win games with Gardner Minshew. But, you know, like I said, you got to play Richardson. You want him to develop, and the only way to do that is through live reps. So, yeah, both teams are exciting. I think they're both in pretty good places moving forward. Um, that was a fun game to watch. And, yeah, I'm, I'm, I can't wait to watch CJ Stroud again, though, man. He's, he's so good in the pocket. Like, I, I can't believe it. For, for, like, I know he's taking sacks, but just the, the pressure that he's getting and to not be throwing picks and stuff like that for a rookie, I, I mean, it's, I, I can't say enough good things about him. Yeah, I completely agree. Wait, I, no run game. No, it's it's pretty crazy. Like I, I think he's displayed incredible maturity at such a young stage in his career, and he just has, yeah, he, he, he to me seems like the best out of this young rookie class so far, and that's taking nothing away from Anthony Richardson, who's done very well in his uh, limited action through two games as well, but I think more so C.J. Stroud than Bryce Young definitely through two games. Has he's been, making more NFL yeah. NFL throws and NFL reads. Yeah, he just seems to be Stroud. stepping up and elevating to this level in a big way. And uh, speaking of protection, though, you mentioned six sacks. He's taking a ton of pressure. That's not the case on the Indianapolis Colts side of the ball with both quarterbacks in that game not taking a single sack between them. So very well done from that offensive line seemingly getting more of a push with Zach Moss averaging nearly five yards a carry as well and getting his rushing touchdown too. Um, On the defensive side of the ball, once again, Zach Franklin making a big impact, 13 combined tackles. We got DeForest Buckner yet again impacting the game, getting his sack. And yeah, I I think both of these teams, whether or not it's going to come together for them this year, I think they found their franchise quarterbacks, both of them. I think they found their future, and I think they have very bright futures going forward in this league. And I think they've got the right coaches in the building, Shane Steichen for the Colts with Anthony Richardson, D'Amico Ryans, building it the right way in Houston. So yeah, I think you know for their fan bases, they got a ton of things to look forward to. Um, don't expect too much out of the win column for teams this year, but expect them to be spicy against some teams. And just you want to see them grow and continue to improve. I think that's the most important thing. Um, moving forward, Will Anderson Jr., you want to see him kind of pop. He had a great first game. He didn't do much uh, on Sunday against that Colts uh, O-line. They really had their way, like we mentioned. But, 
Yeah. Yeah, and speaking of the future, it's Indianapolis taking on the Baltimore Ravens, formerly known as the Colts, and the Houston Texans taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Those are going to be two pretty tough matchups for these teams, but I think they're going to both be pretty entertaining games to watch, so we'll be checking those out for sure. And speaking of entertaining games, I don't really know if this would justify, but it was entertaining nonetheless for me in terms of Baker Mayfield displaying yet again that he's uh, he's proven a lot of people wrong right now, Jesse. He's showing up the haters. He's showing up in a big way. That's a big win again, 27-17 for the Tampa Bay Bucks over a team where I think there's going to be a lot of fans very disappointed. You know, they were coming into this year hoping to see Justin Fields elevate his game, take that next step in his career like we've seen other quarterbacks before do. And he really just hasn't shown any of that so far. No, he's really struggling uh, in the pocket. He's missing wide open reads. He's not throwing it. He's not pulling the trigger. He's running into sacks after not seeing anyone open. Uh, it's hard to watch, feel bad for the guy. You know, you never want to see a guy, like, struggle like that. I mean, he's he's still got his legs. He's such an elite runner. But at the end of the day, if you can't make it as a passer in this league, it's, it's you know, and his time's kind of running out. He's got probably this season to prove it. Um, but on the other end, I mean, Baker Mayfield is just playing out of his mind to start this year for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on third down in the first two games. He is 20-23 for 201 yards with three touchdowns, zero sacks, and zero interceptions. Like I said before, third down is a quarterback down, Eli, and that's where he's making all of his money right now. Yeah, you don't get better stats than that on third downs. And like you just mentioned, those are downs that define football games. Those are downs that create momentum, sustain momentum on either side of the ball. So... And you just mentioned no interceptions, and that's no interceptions for the entire preseason and regular season for Baker Mayfield. He is blossoming before our eyes. I think he's maturing quite a bit with a unit that has a lot of maturity around him on either side of the ball. They're starting to believe in this guy, and that's Mike Evans. Massive, massive game from Mike Evans. Six. Yeah, sorry. No, pay him. Yeah, no, pay that. Yeah, no, straight up pay that guy. I mean, what, what a defining character. Six catches. 171 yards in the touchdown and once again it's uh Vita Vea Shaq Barrett leading the way defensively man like like you're just growing accustomed to see this week in week out for I don't know how long with this Tampa Bay team sack and a half for Vita Vea sack and a pick six for Shaq Barrett and it's a huge 2-0 start I don't care what level of competition you're playing in the NFL it does not matter if you're winning games you're winning games I doubt anyone if if anyone out there had Tampa Bay coin for a 2-0 start hit my line I want to hear your picks next week because I certainly (laughs) don't think there are many out there who would have had that no I mean neither and on that pick six that Shaq Barrett played uh had Levante David post game was saying that they ran the Bears ran that exact play three times that game in the exact same formation so they knew it was coming and he made a great play to reach back with his right hand and get the one-handed catch on the goal line and just walk it in from there but I think that's just telling of where this offense is at you know Luke Getze the coordinator the offense coordinator the play caller he's not calling games he's just calling plays you know he's not calling plays to set up other plays he's just going out there and calling the play and not really thinking about the big picture in my opinion uh that doesn't help Justin Fields out you know he's already struggling himself um and 
I thought Chase Claypool answered the bell. You know, he got in the house after that sluggish week performance in week one. So, you know, good for the fellow Canadian kid. Uh, keep building that momentum because he's got good traits, man. He's a freak athlete. He's big. He's physical. He, he can be a weapon for that team, and they need someone to step up besides DJ Moore. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like you say, kudos to Claypool because that was just god-awful in week one. So good to see him get his legs under him and make an impact in that game. But yeah, this is a, this is going to be struggles going forward for this Chicago Bears team. And it ain't going to get any easier week three because they're going to Arrowhead Stadium and they're taking on the defending Super Bowl champions, Kansas City Chiefs, who are getting hopefully healthier by the day right now. Um and on the flip side, that's a big Monday nighter coming up now. Two undefeated teams through the first two weeks, and that's the Philadelphia Eagles at Tampa Bay. And that's a good matchup. Go ahead, Baker. Go make a statement. Go take down this Eagles team, and maybe you'll have even more believers than just me sitting here talking highly of you. So I think that's a big, big matchup for the, the Tampa Bay Bucks. key matchup in that is, you know, Eagles run game and that vicious Tampa Bay D-line so you know watch the trenches in that game that should be a fascinating battle and whoever wins that let's see who gets a dub that'll be a fun game to watch for sure Jesse and speaking of fun games you know it always seems like a fun game whenever the LA Chargers are involved (laughs) I, I don't really even know what the hell to say about the LA Chargers anymore man I really don't you know I touted them big time in the preview show this year on our podcast I thought Maybe it's the year, you know, maybe it's the year it all comes together for this LA Chargers team, but guess what? They just lose 27-24 to Tennessee in overtime, and what can be explained is none other than just simply LA Chargers football at this point. Yeah, the Chargers Chargers are charging in great fashion, you know, they don't utilize the talent on that team. you know, the Saints defense had their way week one with the Titans, three three interceptions, constant pressure. And, you know, you compare the Saints defense, you compare the Chargers defense, they're pretty pretty equal in talent. And for the Titans to drop 27 on the Chargers defense, you know, I will shout out Ryan Tannehill. He had a good bounce back game. He was efficient. Um, they ran the ball not that efficiently, but they never gave up on it. Um but yeah, the Chargers, they just, they gotta be, Brandon Saley's gotta be on the hot seat. I mean, you know, that's that's 11-point lead that they blew this game versus the Titans. That's another comeback that he's blown. That's not good. He kind of snapped at the reporters. I believe they're game. second in the NFL in terms of the most 10-point leads blown since he's taken the reins there. Yeah. So that's a great thing that you bring up there, dude. No, exactly. And, you know, that's unacceptable for the talent that they have on that team, the quarterback that they have, the weapons on the perimeter. I know they didn't have Austin Eckler. Uh, Joey Bosa was hurt with a hamstring. He still played. He got a couple of sacks. Like, he, he made a difference. But there's other guys that got to step up. Um, I don't know if it's scheme related or what, but there's just something not clicking there. I don't know if that loss from Jacksonville uh, last last January, the playoff comeback that they had is trickling over to the locker room this year, and they're just not buying the message that Brandon Staley's putting out there. I don't really know, but there's just something missing there in my opinion, Eli. Yeah, I'm going to touch on this because I think it was a big key last week, and I think it was again this week. And last week we saw J.C. Jackson with a inexcusable pass interference call on a ball thrown up to nobody by two last week against the Dolphins and this week a key moment in the game was Derwin James 
big, big penalty on the opening drive in the second half, which Tennessee ended up capitalizing on with a big touchdown. So, like you say, there's something missing, and there's something missing on both sides of the ball. And it it's really hard to quantify and to put a definitive on what that actually is. But as far as I'm concerned, they look lost at times offensively without Austin Eckler. They had absolutely no ability whatsoever to get any rush game going. I will say, though, that's a very good run defense that Tennessee is building. Yeah, they, they have a very good defensive line there. But also, when you have Mike Williams and Keenan Allen accounting for 200 yards and 16 catches, that 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 tells me you're being a little too one-dimensional on the yeah. offensive side of the ball. you got to find ways to get other people involved. Like, you know, that's a great game for both of them, but at the same time, you got to... I don't know. I don't, balanced I, teams go on and, and to... to go on in playoff runs and to make the Super Bowl, right? That's exactly right. And we're, we're seeing two huge losses. And, and once again, they had every opportunity to win this game in regulation as well as overtime. Yeah. And in regulation, we saw once again the offensive line cave and Justin Herbert take a huge sack on third and three within the 10-yard line to win the game yeah. with time running out. Yeah. Give your star quarterback an opportunity to at least throw the ball there and get you the win. However, overtime, Justin Herbert, three bad throws and lots of pressure again. And once again, that offensive line did not stand up. They did not make a play when they needed to, and neither did Justin Herbert. And that's two two games that they're going to feel like they should have won for the LA Chargers. So a horrible start to the year for them. They're 0-2. Tennessee, I mean, I, I got to give them credit. They, they battled with the Saints last week. They got the win in overtime this week. And like you say... You know, good job, Ryan Tannehill. He bounced back from the worst performance of his career so far. So they're they're getting things rolling there. Mike Vrabel is just a great coach. You know, the he's got the he's a, he's a good coach. That was a gutsy performance by the team, like we said, with the comeback victory. Uh, Tannehill made some big throws to Traylon Burke. Um, but yeah, you know, I I just don't think the Titans have any business winning this game. Like, I. I don't know. I'm I'm pretty stunned with the Chargers being 0-2. Uh, it's a pretty big matchup next week against the 0-2 Vikings for them. That's right. That's uh, right. It should, that should be a shootout. Speaking of unpredictable teams, I mean, you're talking probably 1-2 and two in the league in terms of disappointment yeah. through the first two weeks with the LA Chargers and the Minnesota Vikings. Um, yeah, I just want to shout out on the defensive side of the ball. We saw him generate a ton of pressures last week. Danico Autry continuing a very hot start to the NFL season with another sack adding to his one and a half with a ton of pressures last week too. So yeah, like we said, that defensive front, Tennessee, they're going to keep them in a lot of football games going forward. So yeah, they're not going to be an easy team to play. And I think it's going to be a dogfight against the Cleveland Browns next week as well because Cleveland, as we all know, we they've lost Nick Chubb for the end of the year. So very winnable game now for Tennessee coming off of a big win. So those two teams, I mean, L.A., man, and yeah, I don't even know what to say anymore. I really don't, because this team is too good to be uh, self-imploding like this. They really are, we'll and they're see. making me look like an idiot for saying they're going to win the division, <laughs> too, so get it together, L.A., get it together fast next week. Let's go. Um, yeah, anyways, moving on, Jesse, we got the Las Vegas Raiders and the Buffalo Bills and Big time, big time bounce back, Josh Allen. Big time bounce back for those Buffalo Bills. Massive, massive 38-10 to victory. 
just an ass whooping, good old fashioned ass whooping. Yeah. After what started as a really good start yeah, for no, the Vegas exactly. Raiders, might I add, with Devonte Adams bringing in a touchdown on the first possession, all downhill from there. Yeah, uh, Josh Allen played a really efficient game. He didn't force the ball downfield at all. Complete opposite of what we saw from week one. He was thirty-one to thirty-seven for two hundred and seventy-four yards with three touchdowns and zero interceptions. I repeat. Zero interceptions. That's the big stat right Hammer there. that home. Yeah, you don't turn the ball over, Josh Allen, your team's going to win games. Exactly. So if you're listening, remember that. Just keep control of that football because you're too damn good to not be winning games. Buffalo's front seven did an absolutely amazing guy, amazing job stopping the run game of the Vegas Raiders. The first time ever that a reigning rushing champion finished with minus yards in a game. Josh Jacobs had nine carries for minus two yards. Stunning. Stunning. He really. looks a step slow and a few pounds heavy. Uh he you know, again I'll I'll say he didn't he wasn't in training camp as he wasn't he had, he was going through the contract dispute. But so he looks like he's not quite in game shape yet. Um, evident by like he had 19 carries for like 48 yards in week one and then again nine those are not Josh Jacobs numbers that we come to expect the Vegas Raiders aren't going to win games if he can't produce at a higher rate than that Jimmy G really struggled Uh, he had two costly interceptions you know who did run the ball well though James Cook on the other side of the ball that's 123 yards and I think that's a big key for that offense to calm Josh Allen down feel like he doesn't need to be Superman get him that running game going and let Josh Allen get comfortable going into these games you I know? think James Kirk can, is like he could be the X factor and be what takes this team over the top and could help them go on a run this year because like you said that was a great performance by them he ran between the tackles he ran outside he didn't catch the ball they need someone to step up like we've been saying and finally James Cook he answered the bell um, he had a phenomenal game and, you know, two more games, and that'll be four games. And that's after that, Von Miller's eligible to come back. I don't know if they'll rush him back, though. He's definitely somebody they want to bring back probably closer to, like, playoff time. Uh, but, yeah, just another another huge W for the Bills. They could have got their – their season could have snowballed into an 0-2, but that's a huge win for them, minus one of the best players in the league. And like we said, as long as Josh Allen doesn't turn the ball over, this team can hang – toe-to-toe, bell-to-bell with any team in the National Football League. Yeah, and I want to shout out Gabe Davis because I've been pretty harsh on him in our previous shows, and, you know, rightly so, he does disappear at times, but we also said he does explode at times too, and he had a big explosion for them. Six catches, 92 yards, and a touchdown, so well done, Gabe Davis. Big bounce back. He led the way from a receiving standpoint, and like you said, man, like you can't really speak enough of how big this was like they didn't need to win they need to emphatically reiterate their ability to sit with the top dogs on the nfl you know that was a statement victory for the buffalo bills i think they put the league on notice uh it was their first home game of the year and yeah couldn't couldn't be happier with them vegas though you know they after a big week one win they just they didn't quite look as good this week uh, no Jacoby Myers. I know that doesn't help as he's a great number two wide receiver, especially in the red zone with his route running ability. The O-line, though, they, they got a good O-line as to, in terms of pass protection, but they couldn't get anything going on the ground. Buffalo's D-line led by Ed Oliver, just really good game. Sean McDermott with a great game plan on the defensive side, and they showed that they're still one of the best defenses in the NFL, Eli. Yeah, they really did. They really did. Speaking of defense, I know it's hard to highlight anything when a team puts up 38 points, but Robert Spillane, 
definite standout for Vegas Raiders as well. He had 14 combined tackles and, and a sack. So the lone bright spot on that defensive unit in my mind in that game. And up next for Buffalo, they got Washington Commanders in Washington. And look out for these Commanders, man. I'm telling you, best name in football, and they're backing it up with that play. Sam Howell leading the way. Eric Bieniemy. Yo, this is a big matchup, man. Yeah, this is going to be a Yo, good guess game. what? Honestly, Washington Commanders, best name in football. Everyone remember we that. I have a closet found here, folks. <laughs> <laughs> no, but... In all seriousness, I think that's a big game for both teams because Washington, after starting 2-0, they're building confidence. And Buffalo, they're looking to not only win, they're looking to do more of what they just did to the Vegas Raiders and hammer a big victory on the road And just to add Washington. on that, you know, Washington 2-0 beating the Cardinals, beating the Broncos, beating the Buffalo Bills is a totally different animal. And that could really send shockwaves through the NFL and put the league on notice. So, yeah, I think that's a huge game. Massive game for uh, for Washington in particular. Sam Howell against that aggressive defense. I'm really looking forward to that matchup, Eli. It is, and prime time for the Raiders. They got the Steelers at home. I don't really know about, about I mean, I, that I matchup. Think, yeah. on both, both offenses leave a lot to the imagination. I'll just leave it at that. I, I don't know what to say. I think both teams are going to be looking to get that second win, obviously. But I, I really have no idea what's going to happen in that game. That could go either way in my mind. Classic matchup, though. Classic NFL historic matchup for Sunday Night Football. That it is, Jesse. That it is. And what what game do we got next on the slate, Jesse? Uh, let's go with the Arizona Cardinals and the New York G-Men. And I have some great stats to bring to you from this game. I think you guys are all going to love these stats that I got because this is just some historical, historical stuff. As if it couldn't have been bad enough for the Giants. They found themselves down 28-7 to halfway through the third quarter against the very bottomly, lowly Arizona Cardinals. And cue the biggest comeback for the G-Men since 1949 against who else the arizona cardinals both times coming back from 21 points down they erased that deficit they came back emphatically led by daniel jones congratulations daniel jones he got absolutely obliterated on social media all over the web in that huge loss against the cowboys and he responded in a big way with his team down backs against the wall they needed that win in a big way. And another incredible stat, they gave up 60 points this year before scoring their first points themselves. That's the third most ever since 1950. So two historical things for the New York Giants in this football game. Yeah, great, great comeback for Vanilla Vic, a.k.a. Daniel Jones. They really opened up the playbook in the second half and let him push the ball downfield. First play of the second half, going deep to that third-round pick, Jalen Hyatt. You know, he's, as my boy Chris Sims would say, three rockets up his ass. He's an absolute speed demon. He he's just he finally showed up. He had two catches for 89 yards. Um, with Barkley's ankle injury, they desperately needed another playmaker. And finally... You know, he made some big plays. That led to Darren Waller being able to make some plays in the intermediate passing game over the middle in the 10, 15, 20-yard range. Um, but, yeah, it was a great comeback for the Giants. 
That's a hilarious stat that you said being down 60 to nothing through their first six quarters of football. That's not how any Giants fan envisioned that season starting for them, I would imagine, after making the playoffs last year. But uh, either way, you know, great comeback. They got the dub. They're 1-1. One one. I've been kind of impressed with the Arizona Cardinals, I got to say, through two weeks, Eli. Um, not a lot of talent on that defensive uh, defensive front, but they are able to get home. They get pressure. Jonathan Gannon's defensive scheme is really good. Uh, Joshua Dobbs had the Arizona Cardinals looking like, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs of 2021 in the first <laughs> half, just marching down the field left and right. Joshua Dobbs making big runs. He was fired up. But at the end of the day, the Giants showed up in the second half in a big way. They couldn't afford to go down 0-2, especially to a very winnable game against the Cardinals. Even. And especially when your next matchup is Thursday night on a short week against, guess who, San Francisco 49ers. You do not want to roll into that stadium 0-2. And we don't 0-2. know if Saquon Barkley's good to go. You know, he has that ankle injury. That's it right. sounded like he would miss a few weeks, but today... Brian Dayball said he's feeling better. He's a fast healer. They're going to take it right up till Thursday. I don't know. That could just be coach speak, like trying to throw the Niners off. But that's just something to monitor for, you know, all you football fans, fantasy fans, Giants fans. But hopefully he can play. I mean, he's their best player. He's their best player on offense. And they need him, especially against the San Francisco. But if he can't go, look for Daniel Jones to make plays with his legs. Uh, I think that's the only way they can really hang in that one, Eli. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, man. And honestly, like you say, as good as it was for the Giants on that incredible comeback, that's as bad as it was for the Arizona Cardinals. That's their largest blown lead since 2011, popping the balloon of the parade for Dobbs to get his first career win as an NFL starter and Jonathan Gannon for his first career win as a coach. So that's going to have to wait at least... Well, I'm not even going to say at least one more week. It's oh, going yeah. to have to wait a little bit longer than that because next week the Arizona Cardinals, as I previously mentioned, they have the Dallas Cowboys That's coming tough. to town. And, yeah, don't don't chalk me up as a guy riding that Cardinals bandwagon going into that game against that team. I think that's going to be a straight-up massacre and probably the biggest win of the week, if you're going to ask me. So, yeah, anyways, Jesse... I think that pretty much wraps it up in terms of the Sunday-Monday slate. I think we still got to talk about this Thursday nighter, though. Uh, that was between the Minnesota Vikings and the Philadelphia Eagles, which ended in a big win for those Eagles, a 34-28 victory against Kirk Cousins and company, who came to town and Cousins did what he did. Gunslinged his way, keeping them in the game, and Cousins did what he did. He didn't win the game in the end. Yeah, on prime time yet exactly. again. He failed in prime time yet again, but I thought he played pretty well. He kept the team in them. They have absolutely zero run game to speak of. They had like nine rushing attempts to over forty passing attempts. You're never gonna win in the NFL like that unless you know you have a Tom Brady or a Peyton Manning or a Drew Brees at quarterback. So you, you need more balance than that. You need more than Justin Jefferson. I know Jordan Addison had another big play, but he, they need more than just one big play a game from that guy. They need him to, you know, be a good second option for that offense. And they need a run game. Like I said, they just signed Dalton uh, Reisner from Denver, uh, free agent left guard. So we'll see if that can make a difference. But that just tells me that they're desperate. They're, they, they're looking for anything to help push that run game forward. Uh, but on the defensive side, Daniel Hunter, he had three sacks, really good game from him. thought Brian Flores had a really good game plan for that uh, Philadelphia's offense. Uh, they limited the passing attack. They held their own in the rushing attack at first, but then, you know, 
around halfway through that second quarter, end of that second quarter, the Eagles O-line started taking over and just dominating the trenches. Heck of a game for DeAndre Swift. Um, and just Jalen Carter, 11 pressures through two games, Eli. Top five in the league, and he's playing about 50% of the snaps only. He's looking like the steal of the draft where Philadelphia Eagles were able to draft him. I mean, what an amazing start to his young NFL career for Jalen Carter. And like you said, DeAndre Swift at times, he just looked like a man possessed running behind a line equally as possessed. That front line got him. I don't. I mean, some of the holes he was hitting, it was like, holy smokes, you could fit a freaking you, bus through you there. Me, or you or I could have ran for 100 yards. Maybe not me, but yeah, I'm pretty, <laughs> I might have got killed and put in the hospital. But yeah, and I'm, I'm telling you, man, like that offensive line is deadly and Swift looked like a man on a mission after receiving little to no volume behind um, Gainwell in that first game. So, huge game for him. I mean, Philly, like, they're, they're both, both of their lines are just truly phenomenal, man. Like, I think that's, like, the bread and butter of this football oh, team. And that's taking nothing away from Jalen Hurts, who's still winning games, and taking nothing away from his playmakers, such as A.J. Brown, who was incredibly frustrated at times on the sideline, might I add, in a, in a game where they put up a lot of points. He did very little, and he showed it on the sidelines but that's competitive spirit that's kind of what you want channeled the right way from those stars you want them to want the ball you want them to make an impact in a game but it was Devonte smith who made a huge impact in this game four catches 131 yards and a touchdown i mean he, he he's he's a guy who can really hurt you he's a guy who you always got to pay attention to on the defensive side of the ball yeah he's emerging as quickly as one of the better receivers in the nfl in his third year um, for a smaller guy, he's so good in jump ball situations. He's a great deep ball threat for, uh, you know, he's not necessarily a speed burner, but he's a great route runner. He's he move, he's shifty, and he's great over the middle. He's fearless. Um, he had a really good game, but I just, something just isn't quite clicking as a whole with that Philadelphia Eagles passing game. Uh, you know, it's not like it was last year, not taking as many shots to A.J. Brown. He's been limited. Like you said, Dallas Godard's been pretty limited through the first two games. So I don't know if that's because Shane Steichen's gone, their OC, and now because he's the head coach in Indianapolis. But just been a little bit disappointed with their passing game. Also, I know they didn't play in the preseason, though, so it could be a little bit of rust. But still, that rushing attack, still looking like the best running attack in the NFL by the O-line. You know, moving forward, hopefully DeAndre Swift and Kenneth Gainwell are, are a featured duo because I think that could be a really special duo for them. And like you said, just the, that interior offensive line, the tackles, the interior defensive line, the, the depth that they have on the edges, they're going to carry this team moving forward. They're going to be the reason that they're winning games, and they're going to be the reason that they potentially go on a run in January and a run on February. Yeah, fantastic points you make there. And speaking of moving forward, it will be Philadelphia versus the Bucks Monday night football this week, and it will be the Minnesota Vikings against the Chargers in Minnesota coming up this week. And this is two football teams heading in two different directions right now for the large part. So look for uh, Philadelphia to really try to impose themselves on another 2-0 and team. And against another 0-2 team, look for the Vikings and the Chargers to try to right the ship on... Uh, I mean, they're really not performing up to their fan base's expectations so far. So big game for both those teams. That's all I got to say. And wrapping up this week's episode of the Gridiron Gang podcast, we have the Gridiron Gang Performers of the Week. I'm going to start it off here with the Coordinator of the Week. 
Eli and I went with Eric Bieniemy, offensive coordinator of the Washington Commanders. Um, they had a great comeback win against the Denver Broncos, like we mentioned. They came back from 21-3. Uh, he's the play caller there. Him and Sam Howell seem to have great chemistry, and it was the first time since 2020 that the Commanders have scored 35 points or more in a football game. So great job, Coach Eric Bieniemy. Next up, we got the defensive player, the Great Iron Gang Defensive Player of the Week. We're going to go here with Mika Parsons, the best defensive player on the best defensive team in the NFL. This week he had nine pressures, two sacks, and a forced fumble where he literally just ripped the ball right out of Dalvin Cook's hands. I mean, ridiculous stuff from him. He's just a specimen out there, Eli. Couldn't have said it better myself. And for the offensive performer of the week, we're giving it to Raheem Mostert. Led them. Primetime, divisional matchup, 18 carries, 121 yards, two touchdowns, one catch, six yards. Yeah, I mean, just a sensational performance when they really needed it the most. They did not have an ability to get their uh, pass catchers free in that game, and he took over for large parts and led them to that victory. And for our rookie performer of the week, who else? B. John Robinson continues to display superstar qualities all across the board. 19 carries, 124 yards, 4 catches, 48 yards, accounted for 172 yards of total offense for the Atlanta Falcons in a massive, massive win against the Green Bay Packers. And that's going to do it for this show this week. Week 2 recap show. We love to do this. Thank you so much for joining us again. Uh, This is the Gridiron Gang Podcast. You can find us Apple, Spotify, Google, Wherever you like getting your podcast content, you will find us there. We promise to keep bringing you the best, most in-depth discussion every single week for this NFL season. Looking ahead, going to be doing our week three pick show with my special guest, Kier. Yet again, we're going to release that Saturday morning. In the meantime, find us on TikTok, find us on Twitter, at Pod. We're going to be bringing you tons of content there, up-to-date coverage, news, analysis, whatever it is. You can find us there. Get after us anytime. You can even email us at gridirongangpod at gmail.com as well. So, yeah, just make sure you continue along this journey with us. We love doing this all the time. Love talking ball. I frankly don't think anyone out there does it better. So, yeah, join in for the best content you possibly can get. I'm Eli. Signing off with my co-host, Jesse. Yeah. Thanks for listening.